0: How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, grab your Bibles. Here's one of the things I do want to encourage, and I know I I get into fights with my son over this. Um, I want to encourage you just over, this may be a pet peeve of mine, Um, it may be your own personal preference or my own personal preference, Uh, grab your Bibles, and I would hope, or I hope that you have a physical Bible. If you don't, uh, please let us know, and we'll get you one. Uh, But I want to encourage you, grab your Bible, pray, prepare and come with your Bible every week, Uh, to use it. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 19. Um, And I actually, I know that's where we're going to spend a majority of our time in the text, but I want to start by reading verse 16 uh, and then continuing on from there. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 16, listen to what Paul says. He says, "'Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel.'" If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Then he jumps into verse 19 and he says this, though I am free and I belong to no man, which I would venture to say all of us should understand and know what that means, that we are all free and we belong to no man, we say this, I make myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. So as I make myself a slave, I make myself a slave to win as many as possible. He says to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Matter of fact, if you have your, uh, if you like to write in your Bible, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in writing and highlighting. It's just my preference again. But I've circled the word win all throughout because I don't know about you. I like to win. Anybody who would say I like to lose, nobody would admit it right? Like, it's like, okay, I'm good being a loser, you know, but that's not what he's saying, all right? But he says, when, in verse 19, then he goes to the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. Are you, are you picking up a theme yet? The Christian life is all about winning, right? It's victory. My victory is in Christ and in Christ alone. So he lays this out. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. And then he says this. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in his blessing. So there's a blessing that takes place when I set out to serve and to win those who are around me. And then he says in verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets a prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training and they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Here's what we wanna do is we to jump into this. We're talking about, and we're called this Vision Sunday, and as we go through this text, I want us to look toward and think about the future and see what God's leadership in our ministry means and how we approach things. Helen Keller said it this way, it's a terrible thing to see and have no vision. Matter of fact, I saw this quote and I thought it was even better. Vision without action is merely a dream, and action without vision it's just wasted time. Vision with action can change the world. And so I want us to think about this, what it means to be people who live with a vision, who have a vision of what God wants to accomplish and what God wants to do. Paul uses an illustration here, and what we see is two illustrations. One, he talks about being a servant, and then the other, he talks about being a person who runs a race, and in the midst of those, he gives us these illustrations for us to see this idea that from start to finish, there's a goal in mind that we have something to work toward, that we have something that we can work together in unity toward to accomplish a bigger, greater, grander purpose. Chris brought it up earlier just through his mention of the Bible verse. The Bible's very clear about what the mission of every believer should be, that Jesus left it. It's called the Great Commission, Right? That Jesus left us a commissioning. He left us something that we are called to do as a result of what He did for us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything He's commanded. And He says, I am with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the very ends. Um, Back in December, matter of fact, we. We talked about back in December 27th, I pulled out and we were preaching through, I was preaching through Ephesians chapter three, and I'm going to give you three things that I covered that I said we wanted to pray for, we were praying about. Number one, in Ephesians chapter three, starting in verse uh, 15, 16, let me flip over there real quick. I want to give you this. If if you were to read it and follow along, verses 16 through 19, I'm not going to read it, but we were praying for this, that God, number one, that he would strengthen us with power through his Holy Spirit, all right? So in the midst of what we're going through, that God would strengthen us with his power through the Holy Spirit. That was the first prayer. I said, I'm gonna be praying over this next year that this is what God is gonna do. Number two, that we would experience God's power together. That as a body of believers, we get to experience God's power working in our lives, through us and around us together. And number three, that God would do more than we could ask or imagine. And I asked you to pray about this, and maybe you forgot about it. I don't know. Maybe it's just my heart because I've got this. If you were to go into my office right now, I've got a whiteboard up there, and around the outside, I've got those three things listed on my whiteboard of the three things we've been praying about that I've been praying about specifically over this year. That, God, you would work through me, through the power of your spirit, that you would work through me and in me to see people come to faith in Jesus. Number two, that us together as a body could experience the power of God working in and through us, whether that's seeing friends and neighbors and coworkers and people we don't know come to faith in Christ, whether it's also growing inwardly that we get to experience God's work and God's power together, and then that he would do more than we can ask or imagine. And that's what I want to challenge you with today is that God would do more, that we begin to pray and ask God to do more than we could ever ask or dream of, that we could ever begin to think. Some people walk into church oftentimes and we think, oh my gosh, we're so overwhelmed. Like, I'm not able or I'm not capable. I shouldn't be here. I've got so many things screwed up. I've run into more people who are like, man, (laughs) you know, the old joke is if I was to come into your church, the church would probably burn to the ground, right? And when people think that there's a problem, And it's usually they think that as a result of how they've been treated in the past. Like because their badness or what they've done in the past that they're not able to approach God. They're not able to come to God. They're not able to even seek God out. And they're so worried about what would happen instead of going, hey, I'm in the greatest need right now. I should be in church. That is the place for me. That's where I've got to be. That's where I need to run to, to run to the church, to run to Jesus, to point, have the church point others to him. And so I want us to look deep within at our personal lives and at our corporate life and ask this idea of how do we finish and how do we finish well? Because the whole idea of a race is this, that it's something that I have to begin and I have to finish. And if you've done any running, you know kind of what I'm talking about. Like, ministry and the Christian life is a long-haul ordeal. In high school, we had a, 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 a rival high school in the state of Wyoming, Gillette High School, the hated camels, hated them, camels in Wyoming, what the heck, you know, camels in Wyoming, if you were an elk or whatever, but, but anyway, sorry. I, they were known, and, and this, is, this is, you're going to kind of catch some bitterness here, the Gillette high school cross country team was known for stacking their team. They would run like 30 to 35 kids on their team in the varsity match. And what they were known for is this, you can only score, I believe the top your five can score, your top five score. The rest are useless. So our team we only ran five. You had five varsity runners. But Gillette was known for what we called these sprinters. And these sprinters would burst out at the start and they'd sprint really hard. And some of them, their goal was to take you out. Like I remember one race where I finished the race with no shoes because a Gillette kid had stepped on my shoes. Like, it was like that was just seemed, it was their, their modus operandi of how they ran things. And They would do things like that. But they also had these sprinters. They would sprint off at of the start. And you're like, man, that guy's cooking. He's flying. And about a half mile in, you're like, yep, there goes that guy. Because you're just keeping the pace. And what I want to encourage us is this. The vision that God has for us is not a sprint. The vision God has for us is not this thing that we just bust out at the start and we're gonna gonna charge hard and we're we're gonna run out and then we're gonna run out of steam. The idea is it's a long haul race that we all have to carry together, that we work better together, that we're able to accomplish things from the start. And I believe Paul lays out these things that we have to begin to see. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. Here's the key idea. We run the race. We run this race, the Christian race, by serving and training to win the crown when we finish. Right? We run the race by serving and training to win the crown when we finish. Now, a lot of when we talk about this idea, this idea of training, is this this idea of moving toward and preparing for and, and leading people to Jesus. I think that Paul talks about it in a great way, and he helps us understand some of the truths that go on that we have to begin to understand. So how do we run to win? Paul wants us to lay it out. We want to win. Everybody wants to win. Again, nobody wants to be the loser. I haven't met one single guy who walks into a race or a person who plays the game or anybody who's even come to our house and wants to play a board game or something and go, I'll lose. Right? Like, I mean... And, and maybe my my competitive nature might be a little higher than yours. I'm sure it is on some because people will be like, "Oh, you're you just blow things way out of proportion," uh, because I'll do anything to win. Like when Sarah and I met, I passed her a card under the table to mess up a person on Uno. Now I'm not, but I did like that person like Uno. I'm like passing Sarah a card. Here it is, and it was like a whatever draw all, you know. So she throws that card down. That person's got to draw. I'm like. Yep. <laughs> now, I don't do that anymore. So if you come over, I'm not going to cheat to beat you. <laughs> so, how do we run to win? Number one, we all have to have, we must have an attitude of a servant. The heart of a servant seeks the betterment or the best of others. In this case, Paul is willing to go to great lengths to win. Listen to what he says. He says, I am free and I belong to no man, but I make myself a what? A slave or a servant. It's the same word It's used interchangeably throughout. It's this idea where Jesus says, listen, the last will be first and the first will be last. He who wants to be great among you will be your servant first. Paul's laying this out and he says, listen, I'm going to go to great lengths to serve those that don't know the goodness and the good news and the greatness of Jesus. And so the question is, especially in today's culture, especially in the bitterness and the vitriol and the hate and the arguing and the bickering of everything that's going on in our society, when you ask yourself this question, am I putting myself in a place of serving others? Do I have the attitude of a servant? Am I understanding what that means? Listen to what Paul says. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, you and I have to realize this, that we belong to nobody. No human being has power over you other than what you give them. Do you understand that part? And I understand, listen, people will say, well, the government and the legal, yes. But the same fact of the matter as a Christian, you have to understand this. There's going to be a point in time where the government's going to come down and say, you can or cannot do these certain things. And if you do them, we're going to come after you. And you're going to have to say, I'm not your servant. I am the slave of one. I am the servant of Jesus Christ first and foremost. And when that time and place comes, we'll deal with that. But you have to understand right now that we all have to understand we have to be servants to those who are around us. So we set it out. Winning, listen, winning is a contagious attitude, but one that oftentimes doesn't get experienced. Listen, because winning takes preparation, winning takes sacrifice, and winning takes hard work. Anybody watched the Olympics recently? I, I will have to be honest, I didn't. I don't think I watched a single Olympic match. Saw highlights. I have no clue why. I just didn't. And, and it's not anything against the Olympics. Please hear me out. It was not. I just, we've been so busy, haven't watched anything. But I want you to think about this all of those years of preparation for those Olympic athletes and how many people actually won. I mean, you think about it you have a gold, a silver, and a bronze. But think about how many countries are represented in all kinds of activities and all kinds of sports and how many people went into hard work and did all the preparation, did everything, and yet still walked away what? Empty-handed. Winning is contagious. Winning is an attitude that we all have to begin to understand that takes preparation and sacrifice. But listen, in today's society, especially in church culture, This idea of fast technology and fast food and fast money, we have many folks who have decided to accomplish something great, but they lack the dedication and the hard work and the discipline to accomplish the great things that God has called them to do. And what I wanna challenge us as a church is that we have an attitude of winning, which is always based upon being an attitude of a servant first and foremost. See, race day isn't the challenging part. Race day is the reward. The challenging part is getting up every day and putting in the training. Getting up every day and being obedient to what God has called us to do. The goal and role of a servant is to love, to sacrifice, and to serve, to show others the goodness of God's salvation. Listen to what he says. And I want you to think about this in verse 23. He says, After talking about winning, win as many as possible, to win the Jews, to win those under the law, to win those not having the law, to win the weak. Then he says, I become all things to all men so that by all possible means I may save some. And then he says for this, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its what? Blessings. When you and I are committed to the attitude of a servant and putting others ahead of ourselves and having this idea of being an attitude of a servant heart, of a slave nature, listen to what he says. He does it all for the sake of the gospel, and in the midst of that, he gets to share in its what? Blessings. That you and I, as we come apart or come across with attitudes of serving others and we begin to win people the faith in Jesus, regardless of where they're at, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, whether those who follow the law or those who don't follow the law, what Paul says is this, that when we get to celebrate or share in the blessings, that's the joy, that's the goal, that's the role of all of us, that we get to share in the blessing. In other words, a victory for one is a victory for who? Who? all. That we all, as we work hard together, as we all serve together, as we all walk through life together, as we all grow together, that we get to share in the blessings of what that means. And so listen, as a vision idea, I want you to think about this. I told you two weeks before COVID, we kind of laid this out. And I want to challenge us to pray towards this that we can experience, that we can be a part of and, and play a role in seeing 10 people come to Christ this year. 10. That's a big deal. We've never had more than six that we've had baptized in one year. Okay, so 10 is a goal. It's, it's an attainable goal though, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, a church, I believe that we should have 100 salvations this year. We could pray for that, but let's set an attainable goal of 10. 10 salvations, which would lead to 10 baptisms. Let's set an attainable goal of 100 in church attendance, which shouldn't be too hard because if we're leading people to Christ, if we're pointing people to Jesus and people are getting baptized, that's, guess what's gonna happen? The church what? Grows, naturally. And remember, Jesus is the one who says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So if we have 10 baptisms, we pray towards that purpose, we have 100 in attendance, then we're going to need, guess what, more life groups. So we set out this goal, 10 baptisms, 100 in attendance, and we want to see the number of life groups doubled in the year. Now, we can sit there and say, hey, well, we set this goal a year ago right before COVID. It was March, the 1st of March we set the goal. March 15th was our first Sunday not meeting. I'll be honest, as a pastor, it was like a punch in the gut. Like, God, you just kind of laid us out. I felt like you gave us this challenge, and this is what's going to happen. But guess what? Everything's in God's timing. When we have an attitude of a servant and keep this idea and this text in mind, then we get to share in the blessings of God what God wants to do. So how do we win, or how do we become people who live with vision? Number one, we have to have an attitude of service, or an attitude, the attitude of a servant. Matter of fact, if you were to flip over to Philippians chapter two, Paul says this: that we have the same attitude of Jesus Christ, which is the attitude of a servant. Number two, think about it this way: we run with intentionality, right? If you were a part of a race, there is a start and there's a what? finish. Otherwise, one person may run 10 miles and another person may run a a 100-yard dash. As a matter of fact, if you were to set out and say, hey, I'm going to run the 100-yard dash, but you ran off course, you're not going to what? Win. And likewise, if you set out and you say, hey, I'm going to run the 10-mile race or the five-mile race or the half marathon or whatever, and you go out and you sprint and you run 100 yards, you go, I'm finished. And they go, you didn't complete your course. You didn't run with intentionality. And so we run with intentionality. Every believer runs with intentionality. We have a purpose for doing what we do. Paul's commitment to this ministry was not easy. So listen to what he says. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets a prize? Now, here's the beauty, right? In the worldly race, only one dude really gets the prize, right? I mean, like, you got the World Series champ, you got the Super Bowl champs, you got. You got the gold medal winner. Yes, we got gold, silver, bronze. But the truth of the matter is while silver is enjoyable, silver is just second place. One person gets the main race or the main prize, sorry. But in the Christian race, listen, we all win together. That as we work together, we are able to celebrate and win together. This prize that he's talking about is the prize of eternal life and what God offers. But listen, there is something when we get to do this. We understand that we can run in such a way to get the prize. That we run with the goal in mind. Our goal in everything we do is to bring glory to God in all areas of our life and in every area of our church. The end game is the main game. We do what we do because we want people to come to Jesus. That's the goal. That's the prize. That's what we're working toward. We want to see this accomplished. So he says, run in such a way to get the prize. In such a way. That's intentionality. We run with purpose. We run with with intent. We run with direction. And we understand what's going on. Number three, how do we run to win? We train with intensity. Intensity is huge. In order to compete, we have to go into strict training. I mean, that's all we ever see. Discipline is doing what needs to be done even when you don't want to or feel like it. Anybody ever wake up and go, I don't want to go to work? I mean, we were joking around last week. We come back from vacation. I told Sarah, I was like, man, I can't wait to retirement. That's a sign of getting old. <laughs> when you start talking about retirement, you're like, wait a second, what? you're getting old, dude. But I said, man, you Retire. We could like I, our dreams are completely different. Sarah's like the condo on the beach, and I'm the dude with the RV that wants to go and do everything else. I'm like, let's get an RV. We'll drive around. We want and so you have to pray for her <laughs> because our, our our dreams are completely different. But listen, when we train with intensity, it says this that everyone who competes in the games goes into strict. Training and they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last. And so, this idea of the training and this training with intensity is that everyone knows the direction we're going, every athlete knows someone else is training just as hard, if not harder than them. But every race we run, we run with an intent, with intensity, so that we can progress and move forward. Listen. This is one of the things that we have to understand as a church with this intensity idea, right? We we get to experience what God wants to do in and through us with intensity. That as I train, I'm training for the future. I'm training for what God wants to do in me. That as I get up every morning and I read his word, as I come to church and grow with other believers, as I learn to serve within the body, that I can train with intensity so that I'm prepared for what God has for me so that I'm prepared to be a part of everything that we're working towards together as a body. And so one of the things we're talking about when we talk about life groups doubling is this idea that all of us need some sort of discipleship that's going on in our life. Yes, you can grow individually. Yes, you can read your word, but I want to encourage you. Are you involved in a discipling relationship where you can grow with other believers in the body? Because that's the goal that we all have to be a part of. And to do it with intensity, that the Lord is doing something in your life, that as you go into this, you're walking, you're, you're, you're going in, in a direction and purpose. We're moving with intentionality, and I grow and I train with intensity. And kind of look at it this way. If you've ever been to a workout or, or, or a gym and things like this, you got guys who lift. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. are these guys, they're the loudest ones. Oh, you know, they're trying to throw up all these weights. And there's an intensity. There's something going on that they're trying to play. And then you got the guy who's over there. And in today's world, it's like this. Do a couple reps. Snap a picture in the mirror. Do a couple reps. Snap a few pictures so I can post on Instagram, Facebook. Is that intensity? I don't know. I'm, I'm being a little judgmental there or something. I mean, they're doing more than I'm doing, so. <laughs> but, but it's true. There's an intensity that goes on that when I go into the gym, that I'm working with a very specific intentionality and intensity to accomplish what I'm doing and to get out. And it's likewise the same thing that we've got to do in the church. We have to grow. Listen, listen to this statement. We fight... This whole idea of training that we fight or we train with God's principles, with God's precepts, and with God's power in order to defeat the opponent that we face. See, listen, when Paul is talking about this race, he's, he's not saying that there's not an opponent. We, there is an opponent, right? Right? Matter of fact, he says that they go into trick training and we don't fight like a man beating the air, but rather he makes his body a slave or a servant so that it does what he wants it to do. But when we fight, we're taking part in a fight against Satan. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. Man, our world needs to hear that more today than any other time. I don't care where you're at and what's going on. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against the people. Our battle is against the very principalities and the rulers and authorities and the heavenly realms that are putting on some battles against and spiritual warfare against what God's wanting to do. And number four, I want you to think about it this way. We complete the race. Rick Warren says it this way. If you give it to God, if you give everything that you've struggled with, all the things you've dealt with, if when you give it to God, he transforms your test into a testimony, your mess into a message, and your misery into ministry. So whether you're going through a hard time and you're feeling miserable, he wants to turn that into a ministry. Maybe you've gotten yourself into a mess because of bad decisions and things like that, but he wants to turn that into a message of hope. When you're going through the tests and the trials and the struggles that you face day in and day out, he wants to turn that into a testimony about his goodness and his grace. And That's literally what he wants to accomplish in us and through us. And here's what's crazy about what Paul says. He says, therefore, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body. I make it to a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And here's what a lot of people turn this into. Oh, he's talking about losing his salvation. No. The whole idea of disqualification is this. When God disciplines, sometimes God's discipline comes out and it takes me out. Of some of the things that I was called to do. Because when God disciplines me because I've been disobedient, it kind of removes me from the race at that time because I've got to get back in track. So when Paul lays this out about being disqualified, he's just basically saying, I want to follow Jesus to the point that I'm not disqualified or brought under discipline, God's discipline, because I've been unfaithful or I've been disobedient but rather I want to be faithful and obedient to everything that's gone on. And so as we move forward, I want to lay this out just how we're going to go. Number one, obviously we've done away with Sunday school for right now. Maybe eventually we'll add some life groups or things like that on Sunday mornings if that's opportunities and possibilities for people in the future to say, hey, this is our best time. This is the thing we want to do. Sunday nights and, and different nights throughout the week, we'll have life groups. We'll have signups coming over or in, in the next couple of weeks. You'll be able to find out what the life group's studying. You'll be able to find out who's leading the life group, what times they're going to be. And we want to encourage everybody. I believe everybody who's here should be involved in a life group. In some way, shape, or form, you need to be involved. You need to get connected to other believers. You need to grow in the word. Life groups, the whole point of life groups is that we're growing together, studying the word together, holding each other accountable, helping each other out, building each other up. So we want you to be involved in a life group and you're gonna find out more about that over the next coming weeks. There are gonna be some other things that are going on and I'm excited about this part and I wanna lay this out. On Wednesday nights, starting after our kickoff weekend. So our kickoff weekend, September 11th, we have our Trails Fest. September 12th is kickoff Sunday. You can wear your favorite Broncos jersey that day because <laughs> you... <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, that's gonna be our kickoff for all of our fall ministry. So life groups will be starting, but we're also gonna start on Wednesday nights. We're gonna have a meal at 5.30 every Wednesday night. We've got a meal. Terry's gonna be cooking the meal. Kids is $3, adults is $5. While we do that, we're going to be advertising to the schools. We're going to have guitar clubs starting up. So if you're interested or you know somebody who's interested, who has a kid who's interested in learning how to play guitar, they'll be able to sign up, third through fifth graders right now. Mike is going to be leading our Warriors Way on Wednesday night still to reach out to kids and families after they're done. So that'll go from 6.15 to 7 o'clock. From 7 o'clock to about 7.30, 7.45, we're going to lead a kid's like fun time with some games, some Bible stories, and stuff like that. We're going to have some adult things going on on Wednesday nights in order to invest in, hopefully, the families that are going to be coming in and bringing kids in. But guess what that means? We need your help as well. And so what we're praying for is this, that our church can begin to reach out to the families around us. I've told you guys this statistic before, and I don't know if if you, if you understand everything, 73% of the families around our church are single-parent families. 73% of the families or the households, let me clarify, households, not just families, of the households around our church are opioid addicts. So we have a drastic need to make a massive push into our community to reach people with the gospel. And this is what Paul says again. Remember what he says? I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then he says at the end, so that I can share in the blessings of the gospel. I want to encourage you as we talk about and we think about these things, that I believe wholeheartedly this, that you and I are here on purpose we live with great purpose and with great intent that as we walk through life with an intensity pursuit to pursue Jesus and to pursue others that God uses you where you're at. I know right now that I believe that God's laying on your heart some people that you know that you need to invite. Lord, would you put that on our hearts, those that we need to invite. Those that we need to say, "I will go and I will or I will come and I will pick you up." I will be the person who's going to make myself a servant to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Are you willing to commit to that? Are you willing to sell out to that? Because here's what I want to do, and here's how we're going to wrap up as we close. There is a sweetness that I believe that Jesus brings to our lives. There is an abundance that Jesus talks about where he says that we can experience life and life more abundantly, that we can experience the blessings he offers when we walk in obedience to him. And so as we pursue Jesus, he gives us the sweet things in our lives for us to enjoy. And listen, I believe some of the sweetest things we can enjoy is when we see people's lives changed by the truth of Jesus in their heart. That when they put their faith and trust in Jesus, they grow to understand who he is. They follow him and they expand their reach. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray. <coughs> Excuse me. And as I pray, I believe the Lord's going to lay some, some, some people on your heart that you know you need to invite, that you know you need to do, to, to, to reach out to. And we're going to close with a song. As we close with a song, afterwards we'll get up, we'll do our. Uh, our offering part, but I I want you to think about this, to pray about what we just talked about. God, would you do more than we could ask or imagine in the life of, of myself and in the life of our church this year? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for the fact that you have bought us, you have purchased us, you redeemed us through the blood of your son Jesus on the cross, and that he offers us a life a life of sweetness, a life of abundance, a life of grace, a life of mercy, a life that says, listen, I may have screwed up in the past, but I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So Lord, would you use us as a church to be light, to be servants to those that we can win some and we can share in the blessings that you want to give us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.